Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode 38, Photographing Wild Turkeys with Tess Jolly. So we are now 271 days, 9 hours, 37 minutes, and 40 seconds away from opening day of turkey season here in Alabama. It is hot outside, very hot, almost 100 degrees today with humidity in the 80% range. So we've got a heat index of 106, 107, somewhere in that neighborhood. Hard to think about hunting turkeys and get excited about it, but... It's always in the back of my mind. Hey, before we get into the interview this week, don't forget, if you want to win a Turkey Hunter Podcast t-shirt, then a good way to do that is to do what Days 4300 did, and that is to leave a review on iTunes. I would love it if you'd leave a five-star rating and a review. So here's what Days 4300 had to say. Five stars. Most informative with great turkey hunting tips and tricks. I'm a fairly new listener to the show, about 10 shows, and I must say I'm impressed. All the guests are popular and well-informed. They provide all the useful information one needs to get out there and bag that turkey. I'm new to turkey hunting, and I'm learning on my own. I'm 51 years old and love being out in those woods. I've deer hunted for years and now have this new turkey addiction for the last four years. Most hunters here in California are pretty tight-lipped about any and all information about turkey hunting. No one wants to give up a public land spot. The information provided by the host and the guests alike is just what every new turkey hunter needs. Highly recommended podcast for the beginner and the pros. Thanks for providing the information, and when I do get my first turkey, this podcast will be the reason. Days 4300 thank you very much for saying that. That's very flattering. And thank you for taking the time to leave the review on iTunes. It is much appreciated. One other housekeeping thing here real quick. Remember that if you want to sponsor the Turkey Hunter podcast and buy an ad on the show, you can certainly do that now. You can email me at andy at iamturkeyhunting.com and I'll be happy to send you over some information about advertising on the show. I expect to have my advertising package put together on 7-1-2015 and have that on my website. But in the meantime, feel free to shoot me an email and I will get that information over to you ASAP. So in this episode of the show, I interview Tess Jolly. And Tess is a very well-known photographer. You most likely have seen her work on ads 
for turkey hunting products and turkey hunting magazines, for articles in turkey hunting magazines, and on turkey hunting websites. I really wanted to get Tess on the show with us because Tess is not just a wildlife photographer. She is also a turkey hunter. And because she spends so much time in the woods photographing turkeys, she knows a lot about turkeys and turkey hunting as well. And she is an expert on photographing, but also an expert hunter. I really think you're going to enjoy the show. A really neat little story about Tess is that when she was young, her dad joined an all-male hunting club. The only time women were allowed at the club was around the holidays. And Tess really enjoyed hunting. And so in order to bypass the men-only rule, her dad dressed her up in baggy clothes and a floppy-brimmed leather hat and named her Harvey. So while she was at the hunting club, she was known as Harvey. This went on for three years. And during that three-year period of time, Tess was able to get out in the woods and hunt a good bit. She developed some very good hunting skills and, more importantly, a passion for the outdoors. Tess's photography is marketed to promote wildlife and natural resources education and conservation and preserve the hunting tradition for the benefit of future generations. She's won a lot of awards, and not only is she a photographer and a hunter, but she's also a writer as well. Her photography can be seen in ad campaigns, product packaging, calendars, prints, hunting books, and so forth. Tess is also an active member and serves on the board of directors for CIOPA, which is the Southeastern Outdoor Press Association. She also mentors women, youths, and physically challenged individuals in outdoor activities and hunting. And since 1995, she's served as an instructor in archery and turkey hunting sessions at Alabama's Becoming an Outdoors Woman workshops. Now, Tess has a lot of great information to share with us, so we are going to jump right on into the interview. I hope you enjoyed the interview, and I look forward to seeing you on the other side. I am pleased to have on the line with me today Tess Randall Jolly, who is a professional photographer, an outdoor photographer, and Tess and all of us have a lot in common, and that is that she is extremely passionate about turkeys, and she loves to hunt turkeys just as much as she loves to photograph them. And so I wanted to get Tess on the line today to talk to us about photographing wild turkeys, and I have a feeling that we're going to wander off every once in a while and talk about squeezing the trigger on a turkey, too. So, Tess, how are you today, and where are you? I'm just fine. I am on our farm, my husband Ron and I farm here in Macon County, Alabama. All right. So it's pretty warm where you are because it's warm where I am, and I'm a little bit further north of you. Not much, but a little bit. Yeah, it certainly is. The summer's here. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on the call today. I'm really looking forward to the interview and learning what all you can help us out with when it comes to photographing turkeys. And I know you've listened to a couple of the podcast episodes, but I kind of mix things up a little bit on the show here and there, and I'll throw in a new segment. And then after tinkering with that segment for a little while, I kind of get a little bit bored and I'll drop it and I'll go another week or two with nothing new and then I'll come up with something new but I've brainstormed and come up with a new segment and I'm going to see if I can trick you into participating. It is a rapid fire Q&A. 
Okay. And if you're game for it, what we'll do, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the timer, and I'm going to run through. I have a list of 30 questions. I don't expect we're going to get all 30 of them. If we do, then you and I both are fast talkers. <laughs> you know, with me being born and raised in the South, I know I'm not a fast talker. I, you, I, what I was just about to say, I, yeah. both of us are Southerners, so that might be a stretch making it in 60 seconds. <laughs> with me reading the questions, we might do good to get to three. <laughs> but we'll, we'll put, uh, I'll put 60 seconds on the clock. I'll read as many of the questions as I can. They are just designed to kind of get people the opportunity to get to know you pretty quickly. So, you know, you don't have to be 100% spot on with the answers. Get us in the ballpark on some of them, and then we will just move right on down the list as quick as we can. And whenever you say ready, I'm going to go. Okay, I'm ready. All right, go. How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? Three. How many turkeys did you kill last year? Two. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wind bone? Box. Wild turkey, grilled, baked, or fried? All of the above. <laughs> Wild turkey, on the rocks, neat, with soda, or with water? <laughs> Used to be with Dr. Pepper. All right. Number of grand slams? Uh, I have a slam. Okay. Make of your shotgun? Ithaca. Your favorite shotgun turkey shell? Winchester Supreme, number six. All right. There's the timer. And we hit eight. Well, Not that bad. Is for another minute. <laughs> you going to go again? All right, let's go sure. again. All right, let me uh, clear the timer here. And, okay, go. Ten-minute successful hunt on a two-year-old or a four-hour long hunt without a shot on a four-year-old? The second one. All right. B. Favorite camo pattern? Ooh, none. You can pass. Yeah, I can pass okay. on that. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Ah, uh, for broth for soup. Yep. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? Mm, less. State you killed your last turkey in? Alabama. State you killed your first turkey in? Alabama. All right. Rios or Osceolas? Ooh, Osceolas. Osceolas or Easterns? Mm, Easterns. Easterns or Merriams? Easterns. All right. Here goes the timer again. That was one minute? That's a minute. It goes fast, doesn't it? <laughs> we need to drop clock. Just, just rattle them off. <laughs> uh, you want to do a few more? Just sure. for the heck of it? Sure. Okay. All right. Public land out west or private land in the southeast? Private land in the southeast. I already knew that one because you picked Easterns, so mm -hmm. I had a feeling that's what that one was going to be. Um, two and three quarter inch, three inch, or three and a half inch? Three inch. And I think you answered this one. Four, five, six, or blended? Six. Field turkeys or wood turkeys? No, I'll say field turkeys. Wow. Okay. I do. I like them. Shotgun scope, rifle sights, holographic sight, or beads? Fiber optics, what I use, the true, All right. the true bow type. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Snake boots. <laughs> <laughs> Being an uh, idiot, anything out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do one more just because I'm, right. I'm pretty curious about like, this one. I like your questions. Well, thank you. You roost a bird this afternoon, wake up in the morning, and it's pouring rain at daylight. Do you hunt or do you sleep in? Mm, well, that, that's relative. If you say sleep in till 10, no, I would be up and watching the weather and be out there right before it quits raining. I love a turkey hunter. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I love it. You know, that that is that sums it up. I mean, that sums up the passion for the sport right there. 
I'm going to get up early. I'm going to stay tuned to the radar. And right before the weather breaks, I'm going out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you must be you present know, to win, as my husband says. Yeah. I'm going to add the one thing in there that you, I'm sure, are going to agree with me. And we're going to hope that the lightning has passed us just enough for us to be safe but we're still getting the thunder from it. Absolutely. It's the best locator call out there. See, I wrote a if whole article could, on that once. <laughs> yeah, if we could duplicate that, we'd be in good shape, wouldn't we? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for going through all those. I kind of just threw those together, and it took me maybe 20 minutes to put all those together. Yeah, I, so, I think I, you've got a good list there. It does. It kind of kind of gives somebody an idea. It makes made me think about it a little bit, too. You know, yeah. It gives you a chance to kind of look back at yourself on some of the major key issues involving turkey hunting. True indeed. Well, and on that note, tell us a little bit about yourself, how and when you got interested in turkey hunting, how and when you got interested in photography, and then when you kind of married the two together. Well, um, just in a quick minute or two, um, I come from a hunting family from the Midwest but raised in the South down in Florida most of my life. My dad smuggled me into a men's only hunting club in the 60s because they didn't allow women except on holidays. So I was known as Harvey growing up and hunting with my dad and my brothers. And there's a book in that span of about four years. Someday I hope to write. But I actually didn't hunt turkeys until I was an adult. I had the love of hunting, would rather done it than anything else. But when I moved to Alabama in 1987, I was in business raising greyhounds with my parent and my son, and this 200-acre farm that I live on now had turkeys on it, and that was pretty much my first experience, seeing them in the wild and, and observing them and realizing that that was another game animal that I could hunt, and I happened to meet and become friends with a local turkey hunter. And he's responsible for my affliction. Uh, he took me turkey hunting in what, about 1990, 87. No, it was probably 80, 89. And I shot my first turkey on the very first hunt, and it nearly ran over me. I was just so excited and amazed at the fact that you could call a wild animal into you, your position. So from that point on, I was determined to add that, you know, add turkey hunting to my list of activities and pretty much didn't call on my own until for a year or two. And from 94 to 96, I guided turkey hunters at White Oak Plantation here in Alabama. So by then, I was pretty much obsessed with it and got to meet a lot of editors and outdoor writers and photographers, and that piqued my interest in photographing them. I met some really good outdoor and wildlife photographers through that guiding experience, and when I met Ron Jolly in 1996, that just sealed the deal. He was working for Primos and was a and is one of the best turkey hunters in the country. And my education in turkey hunting and turkey photography took off from there. So I shot video hunting videos with him for about five years. And in somewhere around year 2000, I went strictly to still photography and uh, met. Paul Brown, who's a really well-known wildlife photographer, and Brad Herndon, uh, another one, and they inspired and encouraged me, and I'm self-taught. I've changed careers at midlife and learned everything I could about cameras and wildlife photography and had some great mentors and began writing and photographing, and turkeys have become my specialty since. That's my favorite species of wildlife photograph. Yeah. 
in looking at your website, you're extremely talented. Your your work is wonderful. I mean, it really is. It shows the birds like the majority of us never get to see because we rarely ever get to see them up close and personal like that. And the detail, the lighting, everything is just fantastic. So to be self-taught and then have a few mentors along the way, you're extremely talented. So well, I'm, um, I, I appreciate that. And, and I I credit the mentors and just, you know, a beautiful animal. I mean, it's hard not to enjoy photographing something so, so beautiful as a wild turkey. And that goes for the hen, too. Yeah, very true. Well, you know, something that kind of on my mind, I have a hard time not going turkey hunting when it's turkey season. And you have a... withdrawals is what they call that. Oh, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's I have a serious case of that. How much time each year do you devote to photographing turkeys versus hunting turkeys? And I understand you're still kind of hunting them, or you still are hunting them. You're just hunting them with a camera, not a gun. But how much time do you devote to photographing versus hunting with a gun? Well, well I, the majority of my time in the spring is spent photographing because it is for my livelihood. So, of course, um, you know, I'm going to spend more time at it. But I usually start in late January. And really, I carry a camera year-round through all the hunting seasons, mm-hmm. Andy. You know, I, if I get an opportunity to photograph some turkeys while I'm deer hunting, then I'm going to photograph them. So, but yeah. where I, when I sit in the blind, here on the farm, we manage intently for deer and wild turkeys and, and just, you know, game and, and wildlife in general. But we really focus on our plots and, and our pines and our habitat areas for turkeys because I do a lot of my work here. Mm-hmm. But I... I'll spend most of February, all of March, and most of April with, you know, I would say probably five days out of the week. I'm in the photo blind from before daylight until late morning when when I can get out, when I'm not being held prisoner by turkeys. And then I go back after lunch for the afternoon shooting, and I have multiple areas that I have blinds set up in, so I'm constantly on the move and moving around. But I tend to hunt less now than I used to because I shoot more photography. And I mm. I don't have as many days hunting as I used to, but I, I can tell you that I enjoy it as much or more because it is really recycled hunting. I mean, you recycle your... Every time you hit the shutter button, it's like pulling a trigger, and I silently say, boom, you're dead, but right. I get to keep shooting that bird, so... Yeah. I spend a lot of time, probably a couple of, between two and three months out of the year. And I do some in the summer. The heat is really bad to sit in blinds. But if I get mm. an area where I've got I've got some hens that are brooding, maybe in a, in a wheat field, green field that we've let mature out and start mowing, right. I get them coming in in the summer. That's when you really earn your money because <laughs> not many no, people no are going to sit in the summer in a blind um, photographing turkeys. But that's why you don't see as many photos that high either. So, right. you know, I'll I'll take every opportunity that's handed me. And I do travel to photograph turkeys as well and have other private properties, uh, some public land that I shoot photos, you know, turkey photography on as well. And I've been fortunate yeah. to shoot Osceola's and Rio's and Merriam's. But primarily I shoot Easterns. Okay. So you told us that you've completed a Grand Slam with a gun. Have you completed a Grand Slam with a camera as well? Yes, I've I've shot the four subspecies with gun and camera. Just finished that last year with Cabela's. I was invited to Nebraska to the Sand Hills for their annual turkey camp. And we camped Mm -hmm. in tents and hunted 
Miriam's and hybrids. There's a lot of hybrids in that area, but I was able to shoot two turkeys. One was a hybrid and one was a Miriam. So I had gotten my Rio a few years before that and I'd already shot Osceola's and lots of Eastern. So I was very happy last year to finally complete it. And I got to photograph while I was there as well. Yeah. You mentioned you're from Florida. What part of Florida are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Kansas, but I was raised in Ocala, near Ocala, Florida, okay. for all for 20 years, my growing up years. So I'm, yeah, and Ocala is in Osceola territory, is it yes, not? Yes, it is. It, it's on the border, but yes, mainly Osceola. You get just a little north toward Gainesville, and you really, anywhere from Ocala south is considered Osceola. Yeah. How many Osceolas have you killed? Mm, oh, I don't know, Ballpark. three or four, something like that. Not a lot. Okay. I've photographed them down there. I think it's probably kill four. Yeah. And they're they're just a unique bird. Their coloration and everything. You know, it's it's not hard to differentiate them if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, you're right. They're really neat. So I'll probably know the answer to this one as well, at least as far as hunting goes. You picked you picked Easterns when I got to it and kept that one going through the end of the four subspecies here. So that's you've already told me that's your favorite subspecies to hunt. Which one's your favorite with a camera? Well, probably the Easterns for a couple of reasons. One, they're the most sellable images, and the other is I think they're just extremely handsome birds, and they are some of the toughest. The Southern Easterns are some of the toughest birds to hunt. I hunted them in Iowa and Missouri and Kentucky and uh, some of those upper Midwest states. And not that they're not a challenge, but that's one reason that I enjoy hunting them is they are such a challenge here. And there's yeah. a lot of them, you know, and that helps too when you have a lot more opportunities. But I'm, I'm a little prejudiced toward them because I spend a lot of time with them. Right. And I'll, I actually, you know, I, I shoot so many of them that when I'm naming my file folders, when I photograph, I give give them a name, certain gobblers, according to a characteristic or an action or something that is different about them. And I've had some pretty pretty cool turkey names over the years. Yeah. You want to share one or two of them with us? Sure. Favorite? My favorite is Cool Whip. And that was an old bird that uh, was here for a number of years. He was uh, a three-year-old or better when I first started photographing him. And the last year that I saw him, he would have been at least eight years old. I photographed him for five years. And I have another one that went longer than that. But Cool Whip got his name because when he would strut and you know how the skull cap gets white and kind of swollen puffy looking mm-hmm. on a on a gobbler in the spring his swelled so much that it just hung over his eyes and it looked like wow. a big pile of cool whip on his head so that was why i named him that you couldn't see his eyes it was such a huge mound of white skull cap uh yeah. and so um he was he was just a, a huge old bird, and he was dominant in this one field for a number of years. Uh, when he got older, he lost his dominance. And Loverboy was my all-time favorite. I've written about him, and it kind of makes me want to cry when I think about him. But he was at least nine and a half when the last spring, last winter, early spring that I saw him. And he yeah. he was a dominant bird here on the farm for five years and was, you know, very recognizable. He had some extra hair, uh, extra 
hairs in his beard that you could you could tell from him, and he had a very distinct gobble. And you know, every bird is unique anyway. A lot of people think that gobblers are all look alike, but when you look at them closely, they all have identifying characteristics on their head and caruncles. So right. it, it was really easy to identify him. Um, but he and I spent a lot, a lot of time together, a lot of time together, and I learned I learned so much from that bird and his flock for a number of springs. Yeah. But that's so, a couple of them. My husband called him Lover Boy. He named him. He said, you know, you spend more time with that bird and, than you do with me in the springtime. And I said, well, that's because he's my Lover Boy. <laughs> that's how that name came about. That's awesome. So how can, and you mentioned it, that you spent so much time with them, but how can photographing wild turkeys benefit us turkey hunters? Because not all states are like Alabama, South Carolina, and Texas and have very liberal bag limits. You know, I know that New Hampshire, Michigan, there are several states that only allow hunters to take one turkey. Mm -hmm. But us hunters can really extend our season by photographing turkeys and we don't have to be professionals at it just getting out in the woods and observing the birds just like tess was saying she spent so much time with these turkeys that she learned so much by watching them you know so that's really i would say probably the main number one benefit but what are some of the other benefits that photographing wild turkeys will give us hunters well first i'd like to say that everybody should carry a camera if they like take photos always have one with you the technology is out there now that everybody can be a photographer and with a huge investment so when you are starting your scouting and listening and all in the in preseason i consider that extending your season and learning photography at the same time take your camera along with you when you're scouting for turkeys learn to photograph them even at a distance i mean turkeys in their environment can make some very compelling photographs you don't have to be able to you know count the hairs on somebody on the the eyelashes on a deer or the number of bumps on the caruncles on a turkey take a good photograph so take your take your camera with you and be a photographer while you scout the other thing is just learn more you get to learn more about their behavior as well um your your original question i guess was how can we benefit with a camera Mm -hmm. and extend it um you know, I would say just post-season, go out there. You know, the birds are still gobbling usually. Take your camera out, sit, see if you can yelp one up, and just take a picture of him. I mean, there's no no rules that you can't go out there and interact with turkeys after turkey season and just take your camera with you. You have to take a look. It'll make you a better hunter because you've got a, a little bit of movement. Just See if you can yeah. belly crawl up on one. That's one reason I like field turkeys. Is you can if you can get up to an edge, you may get more opportunities to take photos. If he's a strutter in a field, stick a decoy out there. See if you can get some photos with a turkey interacting with a decoy. Things like that. Yeah. So, is there one thing that you've learned in watching turkeys while photographing that's helped you to have more success while hunting with a gun? Yeah, I'm. When I'm photographing, I don't do a lot of calling. Some of the birds that I photograph, you know, are local birds. They move on and off the property. But I've learned from photographing that um, soft calling really reaches out there, unless you're on a really windy day. I, I am amazed at watching birds in a field 
where you can see them react and, and how far they can be from you and hear the slightest little purrs and clucks on a friction call or with a mouth haul. I think we tend to maybe over call or call too loud when we hunt. If it's not a windy day and you know there's, there are turkeys around, maybe they've gotten quiet, you don't have to shout at them usually unless it's a hot bird and you know they you know you take their temperature that sort of thing when you're working a bird of course but the one tactic I've learned to use a lot and it works hunting too and that is you know when the turkeys have heard a lot of calling throughout the season go to that on vocal use leaf scratching. I can't tell you how many times that I can pull a bird with leaf scratching only. I've either got a couple of Walmart bags that I rustle in the blind or a pile of leaves if I happen to be in the woods stacked up over on the side of the blind that I can scratch through. You can, it's amazing. And my husband and I use the non-vocal calling leaf scratching a lot when we hunt, especially on older birds later in the season. You know, they're looking for somebody. And if you know where hens are nesting, their nesting areas, and you know the birds, the old gobblers are on the move by that time of the season, that's, that's one of my favorite times to photograph because you can use some of that soft calling and that leaf scratching, and that's all it takes. You know, they're going to come see if they can find that little hen that's out off the nest doing yeah. her daily dust bath and pecking around and hang out with her and strut. Right. So hopefully that's not too long of an answer, but no. uh, I think I think people just need, you know, depending on the terrain, you know, if it's, if it's hilly terrain, you have to take that into consideration. If it's windy, that too. But if you're in fairly open ground, turkeys can hear you a lot farther than you would ever imagine. I agree with you. I think they have much better hearing than we do, and I am amazed at how well they can place a sound. Oh, yeah, they'll walk right up to your boot. Unbelievable. Right, right up to it. They can, and it's like that with whitetails as well. You know, a whitetail will walk right up to the tree you've rattled out of or grunted out of. They they just uh, they have a homing device built in, and uh, it's amazing, yeah. too, how they'll, you know, they may not come right away, but they remember where that sound was. And patients will kill a lot of turkeys and take a lot of photos, uh, present a lot of photo opportunities if you can just be patient. And I think that's one thing that I've learned more than anything by, by photographing wild turkeys is I don't have a problem waiting. Because if he's answered me and I know he's there, or if I've scouted and he's been regular in a certain area, you know, yeah. you know, you have that confidence that the birds are there. Um, a lot of people give up right off the roost if they don't get them called in. Bo Pittman at White Oak Plantation taught me a, a valuable lesson that turkeys are on live on turkey time, not on our time. And usually they haven't gone far. And if you've got a camera with you, more than likely they haven't gone far. Whether it's a gun or a camera, you're carrying. If you call when they get done with their normal routine, a lot of times they'll come right on in. Yeah. Those people yeah. leave or have, you know, just don't have the patience to wait. And they, everybody has a different hunting style, too. Some people like to run and gun and, and really work birds. And uh, I come from a different generation. You know, I, I can be patient. Yeah. I think I'm getting more impatient personally as I get older. <laughs> more impatient? More impatient, believe it or really? not. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So, Take a uh, camera with to, you. <laughs> I need to work on that, don't I? Yeah. Well, everybody, it's it, it, it's an individual preference. You know, it's what you get out of your experience outdoors. You know, God put all this here for us to manage and to respect and and to enjoy. And whether it's a morning photographing or a morning hunting, 
my goal is get out there and learn something that I've not learned before and to give thanks for everything we've been given and to enjoy the, you know, just the beauty of being there, sharing wildlife's daily routine, seeing what they do every day, trying to learn from it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned patience and, you know, that I'm I'm going to say is a skill. You know, people say patience is a virtue, but when we're talking about hunting, I'm going to say that's a skill because it can be developed and it can be grown so that you're more patient when you're in the woods and so on and so forth. But I would imagine you're probably using 99% of the same skills photographing as you do when you're hunting, but there have to be a few differences between the two. What are some of the differences as far as your skills that you use when you're photographing compared to hunting with a gun? With photographing, you've got to anticipate behavior in order to capture the unique moments that you mm-hmm. see on, in some of these photos. You you do have to learn behavior of wild turkeys when you hunt them because it, it'll make you a better hunter if you know kind of how what makes them tick. But to, to shoot wildlife photography that somebody looks at and says, wow, I've never seen that before, you've got to really know how to read body language on turkeys and that comes with patience and time in the field there's no other way you can watch videos and watch tv shows and that sort of thing but until you witness it up front and there's such subtle movements or sounds that teach you when you spend a lot of time photographing and around flocks of turkeys throughout a two to three month period from the time they gather back up start gathering after the you know during the winter breakup and all the way through the courtship and nesting and and all phase you learn a lot of things that help you be a better photographer Mm. so that's probably one of the biggest skills and differences in photography is being out there and learning i mean there's just no other way to do it and you don't really do that when you're hunting turkeys usually you hunt to kill something and and bring it home and eat it you you go for the enjoyment and the camaraderie and the memories and all of that but your ultimate goal is to you know to kill a bird and in photography i want to develop my skills to where i know when that bird is going to gobble i know some little movements that a gobbler will do before he gobbles when a when a hen stands up when i think she's just about to get on her toes and do a wing stretch you know, those are those are things that are different about photographing and hunting. Is I'm capturing stuff with the camera that I consider as good as a kill on a hunt. Right. Yeah. If that Probably makes sense better. to you. <laughs> yeah, it does. Now, for someone like me, who I would classify as a beginning photographer, trying to figure out if photographing turkeys is something that I want to really get into, again, not necessarily professionally, but just as a good way to extend my season and to learn a little bit more about the behavior of turkey. But I'm on a small budget. What type of equipment would you recommend that would be good to use, but what would you you recommend for someone like me to use in that situation? If you want to be mobile, and move around and try to call some turkeys up to you and take their pictures. You know, you can you can just carry a point and shoot. They have there are I shoot Nikon equipment. There is a camera for every budget. The first thing you do is you figure out how much money you can spend for all of your gear, not just the camera itself, but the cards, the batteries, the backpack. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to use a tripod, if you're going to use a blind, and make a budget and decide 
ha- you've got to know what your goal is. If you're just doing it as a hobby and to learn more about turkeys, do you want to spend more on camera equipment or just enough so that you can get started? I would say if you want to sit in a blind and, and really work it, have an op- if you have an opportunity to photograph turkeys that say on your own property where you know where they're going to be and you're going to set up a blind, then I would invest in a tripod and one of the consumer level DLSRs with mm-hmm. uh, a consumer level, say, 100 to 300 millimeter lens. That would get you, uh, you know, a little bit of reach with it. Turkeys would still have to be fairly close, but it, it all hinges on your budget and your and how involved you want to be in your photography, how good you want to be. I would start with a point and shoot. They have, there are point and shoots that go out to a thousand millimeters. Um, they're not oh. going to produce photos that are like what I shoot with, you know, a pro model. But if you're just dabbling in it and want to get started, you know, I would, I would get a, a point and shoot for another big reason is if you use a closed system, which a point and shoot is, you can rough handle that and be in the dirt, be in the weather and not damage it whole lot easier than you can if you buy a DLSR that you have interchangeable lenses for. Because every time you open that camera to the elements, when you change lenses, you're inter- you know, you're allowing particles, dirt, moisture, and all to go in. So I would get a higher-end point-and-shoot and get started with that. And they have vibration reduction features in them as well so that you can get away with braces in your knees or you can get a lightweight tripod and shoot off of them too, and they all shoot video. You may find that you yeah. really enjoy shooting video. Mm-hmm. I switch around on mine. I videoed a turkey fight that I, one like I'd never seen before. While I was photographing still photos of it, I had a point and shoot with me, and I I made sure that I videoed part of that fight. Yeah. Uh, in addition to that, so you know you don't have to limit yourself to still photography. Get get a camera that'll do both. But right. if you have, say, $800 to spend, you can get a pretty good point-and-shoot that'll shoot some nice photos. Yeah. Just remember that lighting, it's always nice to shoot in early morning light and afternoon, late afternoon light. You get your best photos color-wise. I was just going to say, if you did, if you do invest in a DSLR and get a, a lens, you know, I would recommend uh, a zoom telephoto lens. That's one that has a variable range on it, say from 100 to 400. That way, you don't you have an all-in-one lens. You can also get them clear down 18 to 300, so you can shoot landscape shots, wide wide angle shots, all the way to zooming in on your animal. And that way, you're not changing lenses a lot. You've yeah. got one lens that'll do serve a lot of different purposes. So yeah, well, you made mention of taking pictures of trophies, mm-hmm. and this year on Facebook, on my Facebook fan page, I had people submit photos of them and their turkeys to post on there, and for the most part, a lot of the pictures that were submitted were very good, very good quality, and I, I'm not a professional photographer, but just in me looking at them, they look great. But, boy, I sure did see some bad ones, too. <laughs> well, the digital age has really improved the average person's photography skills. A lot of it is social media. You see, like what you're saying, you see a lot of good photos. I think you see more um, good photos of trophies than you used to. 
simply because mm-hmm. people are learning more from apps on their phones and iPads and all to um, enhance their photos and make them look better. But they're also seeing what other people are shooting and emulating it. You know, when you yeah. get people that put really nice shots of their turkeys or their deer, and, you you know, you want to shoot one like that, too, and post it on your page. So it, the digital age is a double-edged sword. It, it, there's good and bad to everything, including it. But with turkeys, you know, I tell people, don't get in too big a hurry right after you kill the turkey to take a quick shot with just your grin holding up that turkey or leaving it laying on the ground with the way it was, it died. Take a little time. Look at the light of day, what time of day you've shot. Look around you. See what kind of background you have. Really check your lighting. If it's harsh sun, move over into a shaded area and take your photos in shade. It'll still be light enough to shoot good photos. Look at your background. Try to find, you know, a pretty background instead of maybe by the truck or something like Mm -hmm. that. You can also hold a bird up to where it's highlighted against a pretty blue sky on a hilltop. Kneel down, drape it over your knee, pull those wings out, and spread the tail with your thumb and your little finger and, and just take a few minutes to really show respect and appreciation for that beautiful creature. Yeah. And if I you blow the head up really bad, grab a paper towel and mop it up just a little bit. It'll look better in the photo. It doesn't mean that you can't show blood, but it's just respect for the animal to make it look presentable, make it look nice and look pretty. I agree, and I think that some of that, too, has to do with who you're going to be showing this picture to. If you're going to be posting Absolutely. it on social media, you don't need a lot of blood in the in the pictures, in my opinion, because there are some people who are neutral mm-hmm. to hunting. I don't think that we want to do something to sway those people in the other direction. The antis, it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. What kind of picture of a dead animal you post. You know, the people who are on the fence are, are really neutral. You know, think about that. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're just going to show the picture to your hunting buddies, then you're probably not as worried about it or don't need to be as worried about it. But, you know, I I think personally that, you know, I am a little bit more concerned with that just because I may want to have that picture printed, put in an 8 by 10 frame one day and show it off on the wall. So just because you don't have intentions of using it today doesn't mean you won't in a month or 12 months. Yeah, and it doesn't, doesn't you, you, take much effort to clean them up. No, and and it's like I said, it's a matter of respect and, and good taste. And I guess some people say, you know, if it it bleeds, if it dies, and what's wrong with showing the blood? You know, I just don't think that's a reasoning that applies when you are presenting. There's nothing private anymore, anyway. There's with social media. There, if you if you text a photo, it's out there. If you post it, it's out there. And you have to think about the reputation of our hunting community. You know, we represent others when we post our photos. Um, I want, you know, I don't want a reputation for being bloodthirsty and, and you know, into the bloodlust part of, of hunting. If I shoot something, uh, I don't want to make it look alive, which is an argument I've heard. You want to just make it look like it's still alive, and that's not it. It's a matter of being respectful of the animal and being tasteful in your in your photos so that you don't offend people that aren't like-minded. And I think you gain respect from people when you show respect for the animal. I think that is, a, my father taught us that when we were very young, that if you want to gain someone's respect, then you show respect. 
And I yeah. think it could go, it, you know, it's something we all need to think about when we tag our animals and we want to post those photos. You know, is this going to make people respect what I do and know that what I do is something I love and that is necessary, you know, in conservation? Yeah. Well, we are running up on time, but I have a couple of questions left if sure. you've got a few more minutes. Yes, I do. Okay. Let's talk hunting for a second. Tell us about your most recent successful turkey hunt and the one or two things that made that hunt a success. Well, the most recent one was at the end of hunting season, late season, late April, and I had found a bird, knew what his general routine was. And, you know, it's just a matter of if you have the time to scout and read sign, and it, a lot of people in the South hunt in hunting clubs. So you can get out there and kind of walk the road, see where the tracks are, where the dusting spots are, the hens are using. That's what I did on this hunt. I knew where a couple of hens were, their nesting areas, their general areas, and I knew where they dusted in the afternoons. And a hen loves to dust that's setting a nest. They would come out in the late afternoon and dust and feed a little bit. So I set up between those two areas and just did some soft calling, like a feeding hen and some leaf scratching. And, you know, it took a little patience, but he showed up. Yeah. And that's a, that's a, late, that's a totally different kind of hunt than early in the spring. Yeah. Uh, you're right about that. And, you know, a lot of those late season hunts, I know in Alabama, we have to do that. The gobblers are not, they're not gobbling midday. No. They're at the end of the breeding cycle. The hens are, are sitting on the nest almost 24 hours a day, and we have to get patient and slow down for sure. So Yeah, it's is, not, as, uh, as, not as exciting maybe per se, but yet you've done a lot of hunting up until that point with your scouting and all, and everything changes through the spring. You know, there's there are just certain periods where you have to change your strategy and and I usually wait until the late in the season to do my hunting because I'm so focused on photographing. That's just a personal personal thing yeah. with me. Yeah. Well, you have a company. You mm-hmm. and your husband, Ron, have a company, Jolly Outdoor Visions. And you guys do, obviously, photography, but you also have or do videography as well. But tell us a little bit about what you have going on at Jolly Outdoor Visions right now and how we can get in touch with you. Okay, it's Jolly's Outdoor Visions with an S, and my husband, no, that's fine, it's Jolly's. My husband, Ron, now works with uh, the Department of Conservation in Alabama, and he is a videographer and producer and writer. So Jolly's Outdoor Visions has pretty much evolved into my company for wildlife photography and photography services. I shoot habitat management photography. I offer my services to to landowners who want to document their land. I've done several plantations where they wanted it photographed for a keepsake albums, that sort of thing. But I write also that I'm pretty much a wildlife photographer and habitat management and timber management photographer. I do quite a bit of photography on pine plantations and their management. I focus on wild turkeys and whitetails. I also offer my photography for art reference for artists and calendars and books for outdoor writers who need photography for for their books. So mm-hmm. that keeps me pretty good, and for ads, ad work. Yeah. So and I, I sell you... prints as well. I'm sorry, I forgot to include that, but I sell canvas prints of my images just per order. Okay, so if that's something that we wanted to maybe look at 
adding on to the Christmas list, then how would we want to see your work? Okay. If they'll go to the website, the website is a representation of my work, but it's certainly not all. What I usually tell people, if they're interested in a print, especially at Christmas time or Father's Day, something like that, they can look on the website. If they have something in mind, like the most popular are whitetail images and turkey, if they will just contact me through that website, there's an email address there and my, my phone number, and let's just have a chat or an email conversation as to what they're looking for. I have thousands of photos on file, so it usually takes a personal connection to really see what someone is looking for in a print, and then I email them low-res versions for review. That's basically the best way to do it, uh, where I do it per order. So if anybody's looking for, like at Christmas and wildlife photography, for gifts, all they have to do is contact me and tell me what they're looking for and leave me their contact info, and I'll do my best to send them some images to look at, and we'll get an order out, and I can have an order to them in less than two weeks. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So email or phone would be the best way to get in touch with you for mm-hmm. to let you know? Okay. Yeah, right. if they have, have any particular prints that they're, you know, any image that they're looking for, then... And if they can call you and say, I really would like a turkey that's gobbling or one in full strut with a hen or without hens, and that obviously helps you to be able to narrow those down, doesn't it? Yeah, and if they want it, if they want it really close up or further, you know, a little bit wider that shows some background that makes it, you know, that certain color. You know, when you're hanging a photo, especially, I mean, hanging a picture, if it's a woman buying it, she's going to want the colors in it to match something where they're going to hang it. So, you know, your background color is a big part of it. You know, whether it's yeah. yellow, green, or fall, or winter looking, or it's just, um, I quit trying to read people's minds and guess what I think they want. I talk, talk to them and, and, and do it on a personal basis, you know, just see what they're looking for, what kind of colors they're looking for, and then we go from there. Yeah. I guess in typical male fashion, I can't even see a background. <laughs> yeah. With a, with a turkey in the foreground, I'm that's all I'm focused on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, it, it's all going to depend on 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 you know what they're what they're looking for a lot of a lot of prints are purchased by wives for their husbands mm-hmm. so yeah um, and you said a couple of a couple of weeks to get that to you that's a pretty quick turnaround time yeah I've got a, a lab that I use that now those are canvas I do a lot of canvas prints and they're they are mounted they're hangable you can also you can get gallery with gallery print canvases mm-hmm. that don't require any framing. Uh, none of them do. They're all wrapped. It just depends on how thick the wrap is on the frame. But they're really beautiful. And I've got a gobbler, just a side view strutter with a really pretty soft green background that is a portrait. It's a, it's a profile of a strutting gobbler that I have had done on canvas a number of times. He's not gobbling, but I have, you know, I have gobbling photos too. I've got all kinds of turkey photos, so I can usually find something that someone wants if they, they, you know, just give me the description, and then I'll give them, you know, a series of different ones that they can choose from. Very good. If any of you guys or ladies out there are looking for a print, certainly go on jollysoutdoorvisions.com and check out the website and all of the photos that Tess has available on there. And I am certain you're going to find something you like. And if, if you don't there, just like she said, get in touch with her. And I'm sure she can 
dial out the perfect photo for you, even if it's not on the website. I, I would imagine, even though you've got thousands of images, you probably know if I told you I was looking for X, you could probably know right off the top of your head which one would yeah, be great I, for that. Would you? Yeah, if I have it and where to go find it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Tess, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing more information about photographing turkeys with us and how that can actually extend our season and help us learn more about the animal that we all enjoy. And I appreciate your time and all the information that you shared with us and would love to have you back on the show sometime to maybe dig in just a little bit deeper than what we did today. Uh, It was an honor to have the opportunity to chat with you today and people shared their information and their knowledge with me to get me started and I'm happy to help anybody if I I can. So your listeners are uh, welcome to contact me through my website if they have any questions. I'm sure we didn't cover near all of them today, but I'm happy to help where I can. Yeah, there's a lot to it. There is no question about it. I mean, photography in and of itself, there's a lot to cover there, but we didn't even touch on a whole lot of that as much as we did just the wildlife part of it. So that adds a whole new dimension as well. So you're very generous to offer that. And I am sure that there are some budding photographers out there who want to improve a little bit who will be in touch with you. Well, that'll be fine. Anytime, if I don't know the answer, I know somebody that does know it. And that's because you never know it all that you're doing a great service to your listeners here. And if if I can help out in the future in any other way, if they want to ask more questions on the technical side of it, that would be fine too. Well, fantastic. Well, I certainly appreciate that. I'm going to let you get on with your day. I'm sure you've got, like me, probably a few things lined up to do that I have to still check off the list. So I appreciate your time and the information you've shared with us. And it's been a pleasure chatting with you and look forward to talking to you again sometime real soon. Same here. You have a blessed day. Thanks so much. Thank you, Tess. You do the same. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the interview. You know, I really like her idea of getting in the woods to take photos after the spring turkey season is over because you can get out at that point in time and call to turkeys and try to call one in to photograph and not have to worry about making your turkeys call shy. And there's some debate about whether you can actually make a turkey call shy or not. I know that if you call a turkey in and you scare that turkey, he is going to be more likely at that point going forward to be very cautious about coming into a hen's calls that he hears and he is going to try harder to get the hens to come to him. So you can avoid all of that by not going out early in the season with turkey calls and calling to turkeys but going out after the season is over with turkey calls and trying to call turkeys. It will also help you to sharpen your calling skills as well. So Tess, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. All right, we've got a lot of good topics coming up in future episodes of the Turkey Hunter podcast. So you guys, even though it's summertime and it's hot, please keep tuning in to the show. I'll have a lot of great information and a lot of great guests for you. And I would love to hear from you. I would love for you to send me an email to let me know how you like the rapid fire Q&A segment that I did with Tess. I kind of like it, but if you don't like it, then it's out of here. So shoot me an email. Let me know if you like it. If you do, that's something I'll continue doing with all of the guests on the show. I'll probably restructure it a little bit just to go through and ask 
the 30 questions and then time the guests to see who can answer them the quickest. So just a little thought that I had there. But please do email me at andy at iamturkeyhunting.com and let me know your thoughts about the new segment. Also, if you want to go on a great Merriam's turkey hunt, then visit my website, www.diymerriamsturkeyhunt.com and take a look at my ebook. The ebook is for sale on the site, but in that book, I walk you through the hunt that my turkey hunting buddies and I went on in 2014. It's all public land, and in five and a half days of hunting, we killed 12 turkeys. And I've got all the notes about where we stayed, where we ate, where we flew into, where we rented a car from, what we brought, where we found turkeys, where we killed turkeys, how the turkeys reacted to our calling, and so on and so forth. There's a lot of great information in this book. And if you were serious about going on a Miriam's turkey hunt and you want a do-it-yourself hunt on public land, you're going to have a hard time finding more turkeys that are less pressured than we found on this trip. And I think it would benefit you greatly to purchase the book and go on this hunt. You will have a great time. I know we sure did. That's all I've got for this week. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I know that you have choices, and I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.